You're listening to the Hustle and Grind podcast with your host, Jason Hartwell of J.K. Blades, his co-host, David Sabit from Sabit Outdoor Survival. This is a podcast for anyone who makes things by hand and has a passion for turning their part-time hustle into a full-time grind. And you know, I love to grind, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Man, that was perfect. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> All right. And for anyone who does not know that voice, <laughs> that is Mr. Brian House. How are you, Brian? Brian House. A man, yeah. That's that's me, Brian House. Yeah. Mr. Uh, Mr. Hustle and Grind himself, I think. I think it's like almost, uh, what do they call it, kismet that I'm on this podcast because I truly believe everyone should have a side hustle. Right. Everyone should be out there making money doing something other than their full-time job because then that side hustle gives you hope and can turn it into something bigger and better for your life. And I've done that my whole life. I've always had two, three uh, different types of things going on, whether it be two jobs or a job and a side hustle. It's, it's super important for me. And it just so happens that I now make grinders and I build them and sell them. So again, it is a perfect al- alchemy. if if you will, of uh, things together, I, I, us together doing this. I think so too. It's I think so too. Yeah. I've started thinking about who we could have for, you know, episode number 10. And I wanted somebody, you know, somebody awesome. So I thought, why not reach out to some podcast royalty? <laughs> so. Well, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. I, I, I really enjoy this kind of stuff too, just doing podcast work. Yeah. Um, and, and sharing my story and talking and getting to know everybody. It's been, it's been a blast. Well, I've been a fan of your podcast since it came out on the makery network. Uh, when all those podcasts dropped, I kind of jumped into all of them, you know, just excited to hear more along the lines of knife talk. Um, and a lot of them I've stuck with some of them I haven't, but I've always liked yours and your podcast was actually the first one that my name was ever mentioned on. I don't even know if you remember or not, but uh, it was the Garage Mahal episode. I got a shout out, and man, you talk about feeling some kind of fancy. I yeah, even, man. I well, didn't even know that's it was awesome. coming. I was in my truck, and uh, it was Trent said so he wanted to give a shout out to Jason at JK Blades. I, man, I pulled over. <laughs> I, I do remember this. I remember this. Yes, and Trent and you had exchanged some DMs, and I think eventually he got one of your knives, right? He did not. Um, he got a little prize pack. I did a giveaway. It was a T-shirt and koozies oh, and stickers right. and stuff like that. Got it. And, got it. Uh, I did the everybody's name in a bucket, and his is the one that came out first. No kidding. Yeah. Lucky Trent. I love it. Yeah, he was lucky Trent, wasn't he? I don't know how many things he won, but it was a bunch of them. Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, your podcast has moved on quite a bit since those days with you and Trent and Miss Sarah. You've got uh, Ben with you now, and your podcast is killing it. Y'all have got the perfect combination going on over there. Yeah, the you know, uh, when I started podcasting, I had no idea that the connection I would make with the audience because I've been building my YouTube channel for the last uh, two or three years. And YouTube tends to be a one-way conversation. You know, it's it's really, you're creating content. Yes, people can comment. And they tend to, um, it's, but it's definitely a different energy. You know, there's not this, 
uh, sort of personality exchange between me and the listener. Whereas in podcasting, I'm sure you've found this out is that people get a chance to know who you really are. You know, you're not just showing somebody how to do something or demonstrating a process. You're actually sharing, you know, your life with them and certain things that are going on. And it really just depends on how much you do talk about, but I made the commitment to podcast without filter. So, um, you know, as you know, in my podcast, I don't really, uh, take a whole lot away. You know, I always just talk about how I really feel about things and what's really genuinely going on because, um, I, I see it as kind of like an audio diary of, you know, my process of, uh, transitioning away from being a traditional entrepreneur, um, and moving more into a maker space and a content creator. And then also because of that, a result of that was, a, you know, I can't keep my fingers out of the entrepreneurial cookie jar, uh, for too long. I found another passion. I found a passion for engineering and design and abrasives. And, you know, so it kind of led me down a whole different path and people get a chance to listen in and hear my process, my thought process on how I develop things, uh, through the podcast. And then there's this great exchange, you know, people message us, DM us on Instagram. I get a lot more, uh, interaction and fulfillment out of podcasting than I do any other content creation. Yeah. We're going for that same kind of vibe on this show. Um, we, we don't do any editing. So whatever, you know, comes out right now, that's what goes out to the world. And we've talked about it before the way we sound on the radio. And some people have like yourself, you got the, the natural gift of a radio voice. It just sounds good. You know, some of them got the, you know, Saturday morning talk show host voice that's fake. We want to run into someone at blade show or wherever and talk to them like a normal person. And that's the voice that they have been hearing. And yeah, I've yeah, got a lot, sure. of, a lot of messages from people saying they like it because of that. Cause it's just raw and it's real and unfiltered and, you know, it makes it a lot easier to just be yourself. That's that's all I know how to be. Well, like he was saying, there's there's banter. Like we're going back and forth with people we've never met, right? Having a good time. You folks get to know the real you. Yeah, we're making new friends. Yep. One one a week. You know, <laughs> yeah, we're not going to sit here and be fake about it. We're going, like he said, we're going to break it down. We're going to discuss what we're doing, how we're doing it, and have a good time while we're doing it. Well, let me go ahead. I like go- to call it. I find finding my freaks. You know, I found the people <laughs> who are just as freaky and weird as I am. And I get messages from time to time from people going, um, you know, I, I like I like what you're doing on your podcast and your YouTube channel and everything. You know, you're very professional on your YouTube channel, but then I listen to your podcast and I hear all the the f bombs and everything else, and I just I, I'm really having a hard time with them. Like, dude, I am not going to filter myself. You know, this is who I am. This is how I talk in front of my kids. I, I, I just it, I'm not going to fake it up just to keep some people from, you know, feeling bashful about certain terminology. I'm like, you know, this is kind of the way it is. And what it does is it filters out those people who really actually want to connect, you know, and the, it's the true audience. It's the true core audience. But, uh, but yeah, you don't you have some sponsorship stuff to do, Jason? I know you got your, your, you said we had to do a couple things, a little bit, a little bit of administration work here, right in the beginning of the show. Yeah. We'll go ahead and get that knocked out of the way. The show is sponsored by Phoenix Abrasives. Phoenix Abrasives is your one-stop shop for all of your abrasives needs, and you can find them online at www.phoenixabrasives.com slash shop. And obviously, they're also on Instagram and Facebook. There's a bunch of ways for you to reach out to them, and anything you need for anything that grinds or takes material away from any object, they can fix you up with. 
It doesn't matter if you got a two by seventy two or a five by three hundred. Whatever you whatever you got, they can custom build your belts, and it's all the highest quality products. So definitely go check them out. They are the best that I've ever used, and will continue to be that way because I'm not trying nothing else. And uh, and again, obviously, the show is sponsored by J.K. Blades because I pay the bill here at the studio. <laughs> so now that that's over with, we can move right on along. <laughs> so welcome to the freak. I'm gonna build. I think I'm gonna build one of those five by three hundreds. Sounds pretty interesting. It sounds impressive. Yeah, I mean, I, I've built a couple of them, but the, the only problem is the motors. You know, you need at least 100 horsepower. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> no joke. I was watching an Instagram video the day. I don't remember. It was a blacksmith in Instagram page. And I want to say it was like an eight-foot by six-foot belt grinder. It was impressive. No kid. They had wow. two, two or three guys working on it at the same time. It was impressive. That's correct. I've seen one that was six inches wide by 20 feet long. And uh, wow! Yeah, what they do with those is the uh, the bumpers inside of elevators and along escalator rails. Oh, gotcha. They use to almost like a surface grind, a flat yeah, polish on those. Playing them out. Yeah, they can do the whole rail at mm. one time with those. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, you need a big grinder for that. Jason over at Fireball Tools uh, built a. I think his is a six by. I don't know if it's a, it's a six inch wide belt. I know that, and he used go kart tires. <laughs> to uh as the as the uh the idler wheels and all and uh and it's, it's a really cool build and he you know he painted it powder coated it does all the stuff jason does over there and uh, if you haven't checked that out you should go check it out but yeah he made this big big grinder um and threw some awesome sparks which i really love that makes a ton of sense because i can picture if you need a domed wheel you just put some more air in the go-kart tire you know, yeah. I mean, you can yeah. adjust your tracking with air pressure. Yeah, change the inflation. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes sense, right? Yeah. So I'm I'm still on the little one by thirty grinders until the end of next week, folks. It's official. My grinder's on the way. Finally. Now, Brian, I know you're a, a grinder builder, and uh, you probably aren't a fan of people who buy pre-made ones. But I just I've I thought about building one for what? so long. And what I, did you end up? Uh, who'd you end up going with? I got with the, your grinder, the KMG Classic from Beaumont Metalworks. Oh man, see, see, that is a fantastic grinder. I mean, it's tried and true. I tell people, you know, I, uh, yes, I'm in the space, and yes, I, they, you know, they would be considered my competition, or maybe not. I mean, I, they, you know, I sell kits. You know, I sell right. the, the DIY kits where people can build them themselves. I empower the the, the builder. But it definitely is a project, right? It's not something you, you're just going to go out and buy a welder that day and, you know, weld it up and all that. You know, you definitely have to have a little bit of fabrication understanding. Um, there have been people that build my grinder that don't have any fabrication skills at all and, you know, watch my videos and take their time and they, they're successful. Uh, but when you look at a Broadback grinder, for instance, or a KMG, which is, just a, a good solid grinder. This is what I tell people. Look, if you don't want to build your own, go with one of these companies that's been around for a long time that has a good history of customer service and handling customers. Cause there's a lot out there. These guys, uh, you know, selling grinders and you know, man, you can get ripped off real quick. Everything down to the hardware and the bearings matter. Right. So if you want your grinder to function properly, but you're concerned about the money, 
you should just go and look online and read about these people that are buying these low-end grinders from these companies that are not so reputable. Yes, you have an object on your workbench that looks like a grinder. It may operate like a grinder for a couple of months, but then it starts to have the problems. When you're moving a belt, a big belt, that fast, you know, 6,000 feet per second at times, that's putting a lot of heat and friction and wear on every single component. So, uh, you know, these people message me all the time. Oh, I spent $500 on this grinder. I don't know why I would buy your kit when I can just go out and get one. And then two, three months later, they go, yep, every bearing on the machine failed, the motor <laughs> failed, and customer service won't return my calls. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, buy once, cry once, you know? So uh, just like anything, when you buy a tool, uh, you cannot always go the cheapest route. It's not worth it. I, I truly believe, especially with knife making, you want to be able to operate the machine. You want to be able to walk up to it hit a switch and know it's going to function. It's going to perform, right? you know? And, and if you're, if you can't guarantee that, if that customer service from that company can't guarantee it, I won't name any names. There's very specific companies out there that, that do this, but they'll sell you something that they'll tell you is good. And then it's not. Uh, so it's important to buy good tools and KMG makes an awesome tool. I mean, God, they've been around forever. They were probably one of their first original manufacturers, I think of the two by 72, I, um, I did read a lot of reviews, the and there were several people that have had the same KMG Classic for anywhere from 14 to 21 years, and the only thing oh, they yeah. ever changed on it were the belts. Nice. Yep, that's it. Yeah, I mean, and I'm a member of the, the, the Homemade Belt Grinders group on Facebook, um, you know, that you started for the revolution, I think. Yep. But, uh, you know, I'm a fabricator. I've got a, a couple of welders. I mean, I can I can weld and build anything out of steel. But what was blowing my mind on that group is it seemed like every day somebody was saying, you know, where do I get the wheels? What size wheel do I need? You know, what motor goes with what VFD? How do I wire this? And, you know, that just blew my mind. So I I just chose to save up and get one that I can take out of the crate and turn it on. Uh, Yeah. Because like like you just said, you know, 6,000 feet per second, I don't know how many times I've seen math equations that look like they belong on a, a college professor's you know, chalkboard breaking down how to get RPMs in the feet per minute. And I, I don't even know what that means. I know the one that I bought will go from <laughs> 300 RPM to, I think, I want to say 3,600. 30, yeah, 3,500, 30, 3,600, something like that. But I don't know yeah. what that means as far as feet per minute or even why that would matter. He didn't skip a breath. He already knew the answer. Oh, he, he knows. If it's grinder related, <laughs> well, we've got the guy. Well, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. I won't bore you with the math, but there there is an equation. It's based on the size of the drive wheel, and it's based on how many poles your motor has in it. And in that pole, how many poles in that motor determines how many RPMs it can travel, you know. And then you can do a, there's a calculator online. You can go online and just type it in and it'll tell you how many, um, surface feet per minute SFM. So. Well, not all to of be that a matters. Dick, but why does, why does that matter? I mean, as far as the feet per minute versus RPM. I got no clue. So if, if, if you're, if you're working on a project where you need to hog off an, a, a ton of material all at the same time, you know, you don't want to, time is money, right? So. Yeah. Anytime you're running, like I get these guys are like, I got this single phase motor. It's 1800 RPM. Will it, will it work? 
Yes, it will. It'll bolt up just fine. It'll turn on. It'll run at one speed. You won't be able to modify the, the, the different RPMs on it. And, um, but it, but what you're going to find is that you're going to be really not happy that you can't hog material like you would on say a traditional grinder that's going 3,600 RPM and that belt, because let's just say you're running a six inch drive wheel, it's traveling 6,000, 6,800 uh, feet per minute. And when you, when you start looking at, uh, the difference between, uh, you have a 36 grit belt on your machine, it's ceramic, it's brand new. And you shove a quarter inch piece of AEBL into it and half of it's gone in like two seconds. I mean, you can just literally shape and profile a knife in five minutes versus these other guys who are running a slow machine that can't do stuff like that. It's just for me, it's like buy once, cry once, get yourself a decent machine, get one that can track forward and reverse so you can sharpen, put, uh, you know, edges on blades and things like that because these machines are so versatile. Why would you take all that time and money and build or buy a machine? But then it's like buying a truck with a four cylinder motor in it. Right. I mean, why, why would you do that? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> you, you, it really isn't, it does not make sense. Uh, so yeah, that's why, that's why I feel like, you know what? Two horsepower motor, which is what comes with the KMG. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they, and they're just, they just scream, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, all about time, man. I can't sure. tell you how excited I am. Right now, I mean, without exaggeration, on my chef's knives, like an 8-inch chef's knife, I do all of my grinding after heat treat, you know, just to protect mm-hmm. from warps and stuff. It takes me about two hours on yeah 16th-inch steel to get my flat grind all the way up to the spine and get an edge on it. And yep. The videos that I've watched, I'm thinking, you know, with that 2 by 72 I mean, what's it going to take me, Brian, about a minute, you know, to, to set the bevels? I think you'll, you'll maybe not quite that fast, but you'll be able to achieve uh, a flat grind on a blade um, probably within 10 minutes. I think you'd be able to have, you know, have it somewhat refined. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've watched any of my videos on like the soft platen that I just came out with. It's just basically, you know, pieces of leather that are stacked up or like a surface conditioning belt that's on a platen and it, and it assists in flat grind stuff like that. Little change, little additions to your grinder like that, or a misting system, for instance, like something that sprays water on your work piece while you're working it. So you're not dunking every, uh, every time. Right. Those are the little things that are going to help you with production work. Uh, and, and as you know, and I've always say it, time is money. Whenever you can invest in something that will save you time, that, you know, your return on investment on that product is probably the same day, if not one project. So if you get one project out of it, by then it's paid for itself in time. Uh, so, you know, um, I encourage you, I don't know if you've watched any of those videos, but like, I, you know, I have like this little mister system. You can get them on Amazon for like 20 bucks. You drop a hose into a bucket of water. And it sprays a little cooling mist of water over your work. Cause like you, I grind after heat treat. Mm-hmm. It's a game changer. I never have to be concerned that I'm going to burn my tips or my edge. I'm never going to go over my temperatures because this little cooling mist is hitting my blade the entire time I'm working it. So I just never have to worry about it. Does that run on compressed air or is it like an electric yeah. Uh, aquarium? Yeah, it's compressed air. Yeah. Yeah. You just hook it up to your compressor. And it, and the compressor, you know, pushes air into the system and at the same time draws a vacuum on the water. Okay. So it kind of makes a siphon effect. 
Yep, that's exactly what it does. Awesome. Yeah, I watched your video. Um, I was right in the middle of watching one before I left the house to come here today. Uh, and let me let me give everybody a, a pro shop tip. One of the dumbest things that you can do in your shop is put a TV in there. <laughs> we just ran across an extra TV, you know, upgrading TVs throughout the house, and I decided it was a good idea. I'd throw it up on the wall in the shop. That's not smart, man. I get caught up watching videos down there sometimes. And, um, but, yeah, I, was, I saw the soft platen build video pop up, but I did not click that one today. Um, I was watching the one where you're doing the kitchen knife. Oh, yeah. That's a, that was one of my first uh, knife-making videos. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it popped up, and I hadn't seen it before, so I clicked on that. I didn't get through it all the way. But um, what interested me that I noticed right off the bat is when you did your template, you did just like I do. You drew it out on paper and put a magnet on it, you know, and traced it out. But you you center-punched your holes for your pins at that stage. So how are you getting to your profile? Are you cutting it out with like a CNC or, I mean. Well, now, yeah, now I am. I mean, back then I didn't have the tooling that I have now. Um, and the reason yeah, I was asking is because a couple years old. on the tang of my knives, you know, I draw everything out on paper. Um, but then once I get my profile done, that's when I get my, you know, my caliper and I'll scribe a center line and, and punch the holes. But there's times where mine can change quite a bit depending on, you know, the cutout process or grinding or whatever. I was just curious how you were getting to your profile, marking the holes. Down. Yeah, back then uh, everything was done with a, a port bandsaw and then my just my grinder, you know, just to profile everything. And I was being very ginger with my with my uh, drill out. That that template that I drew out, I still make that knife. It's like a very popular knife that I make, just a chef's knife. Right. Um, and uh, now I actually I still drill my holes after profiling, but I do everything CNC plasma in my shop. Uh, but back then, yeah, I was like hand cutting everything out. And on that particular knife, I think I just got lucky, you know, like I didn't have to modify the holes or anything, but those holes are definitely drilled oversized. So I always drill my holes in my tank bigger than my pins. Um, and then let the wood or, or handle material, uh, hand in the epoxy, uh, handle everything else. Right. So I don't, I usually drill over like maybe like a 16 just to kind of give myself some wiggle room, you know, in case I screw something up, which <laughs> yeah. is all the time. So, yeah. yeah. If you're not screwing something up, you ain't working. At least not in my shop anyway. One of, one of the things I always like to refer back to is, um, gluing up scales, like gluing up handles. Uh, if, if you've never done this, it, I've done this a couple of times and I can't even remember. I can't imagine why I do, I've done it twice, but I forgot to rough up the G10 liners. Oh, so they'll fall right off. <laughs> yeah. They come right off. If you don't, if you, if you don't take like a little bit of like 80 grit or something and just give them, get them, you know, scuffed up. Yeah. And then of course they don't come off right away. Right. They come off like while you're, you're, you're profiling or, or sculpting the handle. Yeah. Or and even you've, a drill now you rip them. Oh yeah. So you're going, you're going through the process and you've taken all of this time and care, you know, to put these things together, you've, you're grinding them down and then they just let free, you know, they go, they get loose. And, uh, yeah, that's yeah. a, that's a headbanger for sure. I, I, I don't know. I've done that a few times. I'm just like, what the hell am I saying? I get <laughs> so distracted with other shit. And then I'm just like, all right, I, I gotta, 
I got to focus. Yeah, I've definitely that's, been that's there. The for sure. Thing. Leather does the yep. same thing. If you don't rough up the smooth side and you're gluing like a welt or something together, you're going to start yep. stitching it and it'll just kind of open up on you. <laughs> like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes we just get a little ahead of ourselves. And uh, I was. I, well, was I, get, I get excited. That's my problem. Is I, I get, I'm like, oh man, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see what this is going to look like. I, I just get so engaged with the process of wanting to see the final product because you're so close. Oh yeah, I do the same thing. I'll, I'll get like a handle roughed out at 36 grit, you know, or or 80 or whatever, just whatever I start the profile with. And normally, I'll take all my handle like stabilized wood. I'll take it up to 600 on a belt. And then I usually go to at least 1,200, usually 1,500 hand sanded because that goes by fast, mm-hmm. you know, when you get that mm-hmm. high of a grit. But even at 40 grit or 80 grit, I'll go hit it on the buffer real quick just to see what that wood's going to look like because <laughs> I can't help yeah. it. Yeah, I know. Or spray some WD-40 on there or something just to see, you know, how it's looking. But, uh, yeah, I have discovered lately that I used to use oils on all of my handle material and, uh, either tongue oil or man, I've boiled linseed oil, something. I've tried all of them, but I discovered that white and pink compound and man, you talk about a game changer. I mean, it's just, you hand sand a 1500 and hit it on the buffer and it's finished. I mean, with a layer so you, of so glass you, on it. Which one, do, which one do you end with? Is it the, is it the white, the diamond is the last? It's the white lightning or- is the one that I use. And then after that, it's a uh, scratchless pink. So you, you finish with the pink, right? Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah, yeah I can see. I mean, are are you using stabilized wood? Yeah. Yeah. All all yeah. of my wood that I use is stabilized. So, and I guess it's the you know the resin in there that allows it to buff up that high. You know, because like I said, it looks like a layer of glass on them. I mean, it's who just, came up with that name, White Lightning? Makes me want to think about uh, think moonshine. Originally, that was, that was, that was <laughs> yeah. George Jones for sure. Right? Yeah, Ooh, white, white lightning, lightning baby. <laughs> There's no shortage. Of Somebody that handed here. me a jar of that one time. Yeah, high yeah. octane. That's for sure. Yeah, you can run your truck on some of the stuff we got around here. Say, that's a normal around here. Jet yep. fuel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they say if it smells like so, kerosene, don't drink it. But there's not much around here that don't. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, I'm interested in your process for buffing the handles, though, because uh, I, I, tip, I go up to, like, 3,000 grit on my handles, and then I, like you, use stabilized wood and G10. And, you know, uh, I don't use that. I've learned my lesson now with even hardwoods. I just don't use them. Um, most of my knives are culinary knives, and, and they get wet. So exactly. it don't matter what what you use. It doesn't matter. It will it will get the like little furries on them, even if it's like maple or all that, unless it's stabilized. Uh, but I do use tongue oil as my finish typically, and it tends to darken things. Exactly. Um, yep. And I saw know, that video. And, that and that's what up. you want. I mean, well, it changes what you're thinking you're going to end up with. Um, yep. And I saw that video that you put up where you were doing that. Uh, I believe it was the Pennsylvania Buckeye Burl. And you, mm-hmm. you put yep. oil on it at 3,000, and I saw that, and I was thinking to myself, you know, at 3,000 grit, that thing shouldn't need any oil. Yeah. But uh, I oil it for, for – basically, I oil it for that presentation, you know, just to get it 
just to get something soaking into the liner and the the little bit that goes into the wood. Right. That's pretty much it. I mean, it that wood was so dry when I got it back from stabilizing. It was just I, I was a little concerned that it wasn't stabilized correctly. But then once I got it up to three thousand grit, I realized it was fine. Yeah. Um, you can always you know, throw it, it in a bucket but, of water yeah. if you're not sure. <laughs> yeah, I did that. I actually uh, ran under a faucet just to see if it would uh, rough up at all, and it didn't. Um, I've actually had some come back from stabilizing where I'm just like, I know this is not stabilized correctly. There's no way it was not. It was way too light. You know, you can tell almost by holding it in your hand. Right, the weight of uh, it. And they say that if it's, yep, the if it's stabilized it. right and you throw it in a buckle of, bucket of water, it'll sink. And if it's not, it should, yes. it'll float. Yes, that's a good point. That's a good, really good point, yeah. And um, I've had some where, unfortunately, even after I'd made the handle, I realized that that wasn't stabilized correctly. So I started stabilizing my own wood now. So I had my own vacuum system, and I have cactus juice. I was about to say, and I do it myself. Juice. Yeah, I want to get into that eventually. We've been talking about that for like a year or so now. Yeah, well, a couple of years ago, there's a guy here in town that uh, I think he told me it was about 15 years ago. He bought a shipping container full of exotic hardwoods. I mean, he's got okay. zebra wood. He's got, you know, purple heart and Osage orange and uh, African rose. Is that our buddy? Yeah. 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 Old guy down the street. And he bought them because he was going to make uh, – He's a woodworker, but he wanted to get into making uh, musical stuff like fretboards for guitars and, you know, that high-end fancy stuff. Well, he sure. never got around to using any of it, so this has just been, you know, naturally dried for 15 years. So I bought wow. a pile of it. I mean, I I bet I got 200 pounds of wood from him, and, I mean, I probably paid a total of 20 bucks. I mean, he's just giving oh my me stuff goodness. for, you know, whatever. But I... I used some of it way back when, and it came out looking all right, but that's back when I wasn't selling knives. I was just kind of giving them away or hanging on to them, using them myself, and it didn't take long until you know that wood started cracking or separating. And it's yeah. if it's not stabilized, it don't matter how hard it is, it's really not yep. right for knife handles. I mean, it's doable, but it's not yeah. permanent. But if you yeah, have a I agree. and some cactus juice... Exactly. I mean, I just I don't think I've got room in my shop to set up another system for anything. Put it in the yeah, it, I, I actually use a toilet flange. This is how I do it. So I use a toilet flange and a piece of four-inch PVC pipe and then just a cheap Harbor Freight vacuum pump. Here's the trick. Go to Harbor Freight, you buy the vacuum pump, and then you buy the uh, two-year warranty, the extended warranty, Yep. and then write the number on it with Sharpie marker. Because it will fail, but that's okay. Because you can just take it right back to Harbor Freight and swap it out. Exactly. Um, you know all about and, it. And and oh yeah, and and um, I it, it's a a piece of acrylic. You need like you know maybe three quarter inch thick or an inch thick of acrylic. You can buy it on eBay. And then uh, I made this uh, stuff. Um, Grant Thompson, rest in peace. Uh, his channel. He made a um, this stuff called Proto Putty. It's essentially silicone caulk yep. and hundred percent silicone caulk mixed with corn, uh, corn, uh, corn what's that stuff called? Corn starch. It's a, it's a powder corn starch. That's yeah. it. And, and then and it makes a seal. So you, you know, you can form it and put it over to your, the end of your pipe 
and and then throw that. The reason why you have to have clear acrylic on the top is because you need to be able to see down in there and see if the bubbles are you know still coming up or whatever. And then that's it. And and you, I mean, my my scales take most of them are like two to three days in in that uh, cactus juice. Okay. Uh, and then sometimes what I'll do is I'll let them soak without it being on for a while. You know, throw them in there, give it two days of vacuum, one day of no vacuum. Then I'll throw and then I'll throw more vacuum at it just to see if I can pull out any additional air. And most of the time I can. And that's right there. That last step where you let it soak with no vacuum, just standard atmosphere, and then come back another day later and then pull, um, you know, negative 25 or whatever it is, atmosphere. It pulls more air out. You know, that it's basically it, something's going on in there where there's little bubbles caught inside there. That's the step I think a lot of these stabilizers are not doing. Right. You know, they're not taking that final step. And so, you know, you're getting these half stabilized pieces of wood. Okay. But, uh, my, I mean, I, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. Uh, I don't know if you saw that bog cypress that I found behind my house. Uh-uh. But I'm taking that. Yeah, because I live in Florida, so I'm down in the swamps. And right behind my house is basically preserved. So I just started going out there and digging up all this old cypress that had fallen, you know, and it's been soaking, you know, in the muck forever and started drying it out. And it's just, it's gorgeous on the inside. It's like pine, but it's like green and purple on the inside. It's it's really kind of neat. I'll have to look at that. But that stuff is really, it is. And it, but that stuff is so light, you know, it's all air on the inside because it's softwood. So it takes, sometimes that'll take like four days, but. That stuff is beautiful. Okay, now help me out real quick. I'm trying to picture the system you got going on, and I can visualize this four inch pipe perfectly. And I understand yep. the clear top, just like yep. the toilet flange. When I'm thinking toilet okay. flange, I'm thinking new construction. It's what sits against the floor that the toilet would sit on yep. top of. Yep. Okay, so is that the bottom? Is is the reason for that to stabilize your pipe? you know, kind of give it legs. Yeah. That, yeah, that gives it legs. Okay. And at, and at home Depot, they sell one that that's completely capped off. So it's a toilet flange that you have to drill out. You have to knock out the, it's like either you're using three inch or four inch pipe. So you basically flip that thing upside down and it's sealed. I mean, there's, there's, it's a really nice thick PVC. Gotcha. So that, and then you slide your four inch pipe into it and glue it. And now you've got a perfect receptacle for vacuum stabilizing. So that's and the and the base. other thing, yeah, that's the base. And here's the thing: you don't want to go big. See, people go, oh man, I want a five gallon, whatever. Cactus juice can get uh, contaminated. So, like, if you're throwing purple heart and maple and stuff in there, what people don't realize is, is cactus juice. It, it you know once it goes in and it soaks up into your wood and you pull your wood out and throw it in the oven, you can pour the remainder of that cactus juice back in the, into the container that you poured originally got it in. And then you can reuse it, reuse it, reuse it. So if you are, if you're using these, uh, an enormous amount of cactus juice, because you have to cover whatever you're working on, then, uh, you're, you know, you're going to be constantly infusing these oils from the wood into this cactus juice. It's going to become less effective. So the four inch pipe, you know, you're putting everything on end. And then I just take a little piece of four inch steel that I cut out and I use that as my weight to hold everything down in the bottom. 
So now I'm only pouring like two, three cups of cactus juice in there versus the entire gallon. That makes and a that ton saves of sense. The, Yep. And that was my biggest mistake initially is I was using this huge pot and I kept soiling and tainting my, my juice, my cactus juice. And it was like, it was going bad, you know, after a couple of uses. So, and the other, here's another big tip, buy a gallon of vacuum oil and change your oil out in your pump after ever, like after maybe twice, like you can use it a couple of times. And then after that, drain it off because you'll be surprised when you pour that vacuum uh, oil out of that vacuum pump, it's filled with water. Typically, uh, no, it doesn't matter how much you try to filter it. It'll still, you know, fill up with, uh, with, uh, moisture. That's just condensation from the chamber that you're pulling from. That's what I think it is. I mean, I live in Florida, so it could be the atmospheric humidity as well, but that moisture will destroy the pump mechanism. Yeah, well, we're in the middle to the South part of Georgia. So we know all about that humidity. Here's, oh yeah, here's yeah. You're not you're not any further. Do you wrap all yours with aluminum foil when you go to put them in the oven after? I do. Yep. Okay. Is there a secret to getting all that off, or are you just sand that off when you're doing it? I sand it off. Yeah, because it okay. the, what the foil does is it keeps the cactus juice when you bake it. It keeps the cactus juice from sort of really leaking out over everything on the inside of the oven or on the pan. It kind of like encases the wood. Right. And you, when you pull it open, it kind of looks like a piece of peanut brittle or something. You know, it's going to, I got this like yeah. sugary outside yeah. to it. Right. But it's just really resin. Like a big and that grinds bigger. right off. I said, until, yeah, exactly. Until it's, right now, I never knew it was cooked. When I was making a bunch of yeah. ferro rod handles, I was ordering this stuff in. It all came with that peanut brittle and chunks of aluminum foil. I'm mm. like, what in the world is all this garbage on here for? And <laughs> yep. for years, I never That's understood it. that until just now. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, yep. so he's baking it. And I put that through my brain real quick. And I was like, is he wrapping it in full too? Because the dude I was yep. ordering this stuff from, I guess he just didn't take the time to clean it up before he sent it to me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I send out my stabilized stuff. So I just send it out and tell everybody to grind it off. Because when you do, it, it basically preserves that wood and keeps everything just perfect until it's being ready to use. It's ready to use. And then that grind it off. It takes like two seconds with a 36 grip belt. Well, but yeah, sense. the cactus juice is not activated unless it gets warm. And I think it's not much heat. It's like 200 degrees to 250, something like that will set it off. Right. So the other thing to remember is never leave it in an unair conditioned space, because if you do that jug will, will kick off and it will solidify inside of itself. That's so, nice. cactus juice itself. Yep. And that stuff is not cheap. So yeah, if, if you leave a jug outside or like in your car and it gets to be a warm day, I've heard of guys like just in their shed, you know, got to be like 90 degrees outside and it kicked off their cactus juice. Oh, that'll and happen right here. It. Yeah, we got the same oh, yeah. kind of climate you got. Hot, humid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 Our two seasons are hot and not as hot. Yep. That's what I say. It's hot and less hot here. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> same thing. Yep. So it, right now it's cr- crotch rot season. So, you know, you got to make sure that you keep yourself powdered up. That's what I do. Just baby powder. Every little crease yep. keeps everything nice and flowy. You know, got to avoid that chub rub. <laughs> so, when you're putting this, uh, when you put your wood in the oven, this has turned into wood talk, but, uh, when you're putting the, in the oven to bake, is that to 
kind of harden the resin or yeah. is that to evaporate yeah. any that's more moisture? Yeah, to make it harden up. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly what it does. Yeah. It kicks the resin. So it triggers the resin to harden. The chemical reaction takes heat. Okay, gotcha. That's exactly it. Yep. Okay, well, that's good to know because I, I do want to get into that eventually. But, man, there's like a million things I want to get into at any given time. And I kind of got to prioritize which one, you know, yeah, is worthy of I'm going after you. next. Which one's paying. I'm with you. Yeah, too many exactly. projects. Don't spread spread yourself too thin because there's a lot of guys out there that are making these beautiful dyed, uh, you know, uh, uh, woods that are dyed and then stabilized, and they're selling them for thirty five, forty bucks. You know, if, if, if how much experimentation are you willing to do to you know meet that same get that same look? You know, it would be really tough. Right. And then locate the wood and everything else now, because you have a stored up amount of this stuff. You know, that to me is would I would think you would, you know, to build one of these systems is going to cost you 110 bucks, 120 bucks, something like that. Uh, it would probably be worth it for you because you have already have the inventory of wood that you barely paid any money for. I've got, um, uh, so I would do that. I've got a chunk. I mean, just for example, I've got a piece of Osage orange burl. And it's two, oh, two inches thick, uh, two feet wide. You know, if you're looking at it as like a, a, a two by six on a board, it's two inches thick, right at two feet wide and three foot tall. So oh, man. There's no tell. I mean, I I bet there's easily a hundred set of scales in there. That's a tabletop. It, it's, it's close. I mean, seriously, it's close. And he bought it just to process it down into all this little stuff. And, you know, he's... I think he's just kind of reaching that age and that he had a stroke. Yeah. His want to is kind of is giving up on him. Now he had a stroke and it affected his, his arms. You know, he he can't really use one of his arms, but he's he's still able to kind of mess around in his shop. But I think as far as using all that up, he's, he's kind of changed his mind, unfortunately. Sure. Uh, Sure. But yeah, I mean, I've got so much of that. wood. I've been giving it away lately. I had a guy, uh, he was in, Birmingham, Alabama, he sent me a message on Instagram, said he was looking for some affordable wood. He had a stabilizing system set up, wanted to know where he could buy some inexpensive wood because he was going to try to make a matching set of knives for his parents. And uh, I think the kid's like 17 years old or something. And I just cut up a pile of it, man. I said, give me your address. And uh, he said, well, how much are you going to charge me? I said, you pay shipping. And he said, cool, let me know what it is. And I never said anything else to him. I just, just shipped it. I sent it. And then he sent me a message. He was like, oh, my God, I got it. What do I owe you? I said, nothing, man. Just Make man. something pretty. I said, take care of the next That's guy. That's good that karma, man. Yeah, I said, take care of the next guy that you're able to help. That's good karma, man. And 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 that's why I love this community so much. And, and uh, I've had that exact scenario happen to me where I've had people send me things and you know, no, no charge, you know, no, I'm, I'm happy to help you. I want to help you. And there, you know, I don't know, I've been a kind of a hobbyist maker my whole life. I've never been involved as deeply as I am in a community. Like I am with knife making and metalwork. Uh, but I got to tell you this, this is some of the most salt of the earth people I've ever met. And I have yet to really actually meet them you know in person they're just people i know through um you know the internet and connecting on social media but these are people i talk to you know and on the regular sometimes on a daily and it's changed my life it's made me feel less alone 
and made me feel more like a, like a contributing member to something that's bigger than myself. Yeah. And I really like that about this community. This is episode number 10 of this show. And I believe the knife making community has come up almost every show. Successfully made it into every episode. That's what I was about to say as to how great it is. I mean, it's just, I love nothing that can compare to it. Don't die. And it's not even the knife making community, you know, it's just the maker world in general. At least this aspect. Right. I mean, the three of us, we've got a leather worker, a knife maker and a grinder maker. You know, I mean, Brian, I know you make knives also, but your main hustle is the revolution, right? Ooh, which brings up the point of this podcast. How'd you get into that? How'd I get into what? Him. Oh, yeah. That is the point oh. of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, uh, I know you used to work for uh, Fox News, right? Like I said, I've kept up with your podcast yeah. since day one. I'm a, I'm a fan of the Full Blast podcast, so I heard you on there with Fader. Um, yep. And Fader's name, I believe, has come up in near about every one of these two. He'll be here episode 100. Oh, yeah. yeah, he's going to be on episode 100 with us. <laughs> so, uh, But anyway, um, how did you make that transition from kind of the TV movie industry? You know, you've already said you were a maker, so to speak, in some form your whole life. But what made you go full-time with being an entrepreneur mindset as opposed to working for the man? Well, I'd always wanted to be an entrepreneur ever, ever since I was probably 10 years old. That's all I thought about. I went to college to make my parents happy. And then I got a, a an internship uh, with Fox television and I was hired and worked for them for six years. I love the work and more or less. I love the people, you know, I, I wasn't fully committed to a nine to five world. I didn't really like that so much, but I did really love working with the people there. A bunch of creative folks. Uh, we were doing awesome work. It was always exciting, uh, you know, being kind of a part of a news team and production team, promotion team. And then Clear Channel, big corporate company came in, bought us out, fired pretty much everybody uh, within a couple of months, you know, rounds of layoffs. Uh, and I got scooped up in that and lost my job. Uh, came to Florida in 2003 to visit family. Kind of, I didn't have anything else going on. I wasn't really working. I was doing freelance, um, commercial freelance work, production work uh, in Chicago. And then just kind of managed to um, find a job down here in Florida working for the uh, small cargo airline. And, I, and, and because I did so much tech work at Fox, uh, they hired me to do tech work at this cargo airline. So I was like doing server work and basic help desk stuff, you know, uh, building computers and that kind of thing. And then I got scooped up and hired away from a local municipality. I, I did that for a while. And I just really realized that I just could not work for someone else. It was just absolutely not inside of me. I just hated going to work every day. I was never more depressed. So um, I quit. In 2006, I quit and started a small computer repair shop, which I still own. Uh, I don't run it anymore. I hired somebody to run it, but I still own it. And that shop is in the same building with my studio that I, I work in for how to make the grinders and the grinder kits and all that and make all my content, um, which I'm standing in right now. It's just, uh, it's basically like if you can imagine a big industrial building, a bunch of garage doors, you know, big open doors, uh, and, and, you know, you can buy them like condo units so you can purchase them and own them where you're not paying rent. Uh, you, you know, you, you actually have equity in the building. So, um, about three years ago, 
uh, I realized that I'd been in uh, working either in technology or for Fox or whatever for over 20 years. You know, I had been doing that for 20 some plus years. And I realized that I was following my dreams to a point. I remember thinking to myself, you know, hey, this is really great. I, I'm actually a successful entrepreneur. I'm making my living working for myself. I have other people working for me. Um, I'm not really committed to being there every day anymore because I hired management, you know, people to kind of take over for me and step aside so I can focus on other stuff. And I realized like I've, I've always wanted to make YouTube videos and I had done a bunch, you know, previous to anything. Like I started with YouTube in 2008 and made like uh, did boat restoration videos and I was a boat captain. I put people on fish for a bunch of years. I, I you know, took people fishing. Um, but then I got cancer and I couldn't do that anymore. So there's like a whole bunch of things that kind of fell into place where I wasn't able to do that work anymore and make those videos. And I was like, you know what? I want to make shit. I want to make shit. I want to show people how to do stuff and, and create things. And I want to make, and I want to film it. And, um, that's what happened about two years ago. I started doing that and I got into metalworking and knife making and welding and all that stuff. And the grinder, the grinder thing kind of fell in my lap. It was like, I built my first grinder and I posted that video on YouTube and it got 300,000 views. Golly. And it, 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 yeah. So I was like, man, there's something to this. And that, that video, um, I got so many people commenting and wanting to talk about that. I was like, okay, well maybe, uh, I had issues with that grinder, by the way, it was kind of a rudimentary grinder. Didn't tilt, you know, it just, it was just basic. It just had just one feature. It was just, you know, going forward and, and, and did not tilt. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to design a, a grinder that tilts. It's kind of based off of the same concept, but maybe it'll have some more features and all that. So I just, I learned CAD. I sat down and figured out how to draw up things in CAD. And as I'm doing this, I'm filming the process. I'm showing people and sharing my ideas with the audience. I'm saying, what would you do different? Okay, if, if I were to make this basic design, what would you change? I would get 50, 60 comments from people. You know, oh man, make sure you put a bushing here. You know, make sure the platen tilts uh, forward and and back against the uh, the tracking wheel. You know, things like that. All these little things. You know, the audience was giving me ideas. You know, engineering concepts that I didn't fully understand, but I would put them into practice. And then we came out, and I built the first version of the Revolution. It was almost two years ago now, and I filmed the entire process. And those videos were getting a hundred thousand, fifty thousand. You know. Uh, 250,000 views of me prototyping this machine. And, um, I remember thinking to myself, I have to monetize this somehow because I'm investing an enormous yeah, amount like right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, and I realized like the only way I could do that is to develop a plan set. I had no other understanding of manufacturing at all. So I created my first set of PDF plans and I would, and I, my wife worked in marketing for a big tech firm. She's like, you got to have a newsletter sign up. You got to do this on the website. So I was like, all right, well, I think it was like the 10th day of the pre-order thing where I said, you know, if you sign up for the website newsletter, you know, I'll, I'll, you'll get like five bucks off the plans or something like that, or I'll give you a coupon code. 
And uh, I looked to see how many people had signed up, and like 2,000 some odd people had signed up for the newsletter. Holy cow. And I was like, man, in 10 days, that's an enormous amount of people. I just could not, it was hard for me to wrap my mind around that. And these, these were genuine people. This wasn't just like spam bots because we had just opened the website. I mean, the, the website was days old at this point. So these were the people watching me on YouTube. That's impressive. And then um, I released the plans. And I remember the plan set was released in February of 19 or 20. No, 19. And uh, I had it like launching at a specific time in the morning, I had it automated. So like 6 a.m. it was going to go live. And I just remember waking up to the sound of my phone going, cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. And I'm like, whoa. I pick up my phone, and I had probably sold like, you know, 25 or 30 plant sets in the first hour. And by the end of that weekend, I had sold 500 sets of plants. That's awesome. So it funded the entire, you know, six months of work that I had done. It, it put some money back into my pocket so that I could go out and do more. And do more. And then I got contacted by somebody that wanted to do the steel and cut the parts for me and all of that. And it was just like a snowball effect. And since then, we've sold thousands of these now. I mean, in the last two years, I don't, I don't even know how many we've shipped. I mean, it's thousands now. Uh, of kits out there, but uh, yeah, it's it's been an awesome ride, and this is pretty much what I do now full time. I, I followed my passion, which was metalwork, knife making, engineering, content creation, and I like to say this is that the market decided for me. You know, these people were following this project because they believed in me and they believed in what I was doing. And they were willing to put their money there and actually make that happen for me. So I have an enormous amount of gratitude for this community because it changed my life. And I say it in just about every one of my videos now. You know, I tell everybody like, hey, it's just changed my life and it's because of you. So Got to work. It's an awesome it. ride. Got to work for it, baby. That's it. Let me ask a dumb question. Maybe I missed it, but I don't think I did. Um, just plain and simple, why a grinder? Was it because you were making knives and needed a grinder or did you have one that you felt like you could make better? I mean, why not, uh, yeah. you know, a buffer or what steered you towards a grinder specifically? The, well, you know, I'd watched a bunch of videos on YouTube of people making their own and I liked a lot of their concepts. You know, these, there's a, a really, uh, there's a, a lot of guys out there that are basically designing and building one-off grinders. And so I would watch their videos and go, okay, I like that feature, but I don't like this about it. And, um, and I had, my original design was, uh, Dan, uh, Camus, Komu of DC knives. He, he's a Canadian gentleman has done an enormous amount of work for the community. He's kind of reclusive now. He doesn't, he doesn't come out much anymore, but, um, uh, him and I are friends now and, and, and we talk a lot about this stuff, but he, um, he designed this original design, which was basically just tube steel. You know, it's just tube steel with a receiver and it doesn't tilt or anything like that. I had a really hard time getting that thing to track properly. And I also really wanted the functionality of being able to tilt it horizontally um, and then have a versatile articulating work rest. Those were like some of the big features that I really wanted. So I obviously, like everybody, I went out and shopped for one. 
You know, I was like, okay, I just want to go buy one. And, you know, as you know, because you bought a KMG, and if you look at Broadbeck, you look at any, you know, you're in for 2500 three grand, easy, you know, before shipping and stuff some, sometimes. And, you know, if you if you want to get really fancy, you can spend up six $7,000 on these things. And I just simply didn't have that kind of scratch, man. I mean, I just couldn't afford it. Um, and, and I wasn't really sure, like, how dedicated I was going to be to the, to the, the process of making knives. I just didn't know. So to build one, I figured, well, if I throw a thousand bucks at this thing, let's see what I can build for a thousand bucks. And still consistently to this day, if you build the revolution grinder, most of them, the builds come out right around $800. It's an affordable, full featured grinder. Yes. You have to work for it. Yes. You have to build it yourself. Right. Uh, but when you, when you go buy a KMG, there's probably a thousand dollars worth of parts in that KMG. The other stuff you're paying for is all their engineering and the guy fabricating it and the machining and all of that stuff. We took away that. We gave that to the, to the builder. We said, look, we're going to give you a 60, 60 page set of plans. You can build your own, but you have to do the work. You're, you know, that's the expensive part is the time. Uh, so, and then, you know, of course you have ownership, you know, now these guys, most of my sales come from people who are bragging about their builds. You know, they're going on Facebook, they're taking pictures, they're going on Instagram, they're taking, look what I built, look what I built. Now they have this device that they have this ownership, this connection to, and it's assisting them in making their side hustle happen. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty great feeling, you know, something to be proud of for sure. Well, you talked about it for months about getting one of his. Yeah. And I just, I, I couldn't wrap my head around the wiring and motor and VF all the the technicals the, the technical stuff that has to go together. I my brain doesn't work that way, you know. Like yeah, I'm 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 aware. It, it definitely it, there's it can be intimidating, but yeah. there's a lot of a lot of support out there now. You know, with the 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 DIY belt grinders group on Facebook has thirteen thousand members in it now. Right, and I mean even and, though I mean, I've only got one by thirties right now. Now that I'm full time. That one by thirty can't stop running long enough for me to, you know, to put the time right. into building something else. That grind, the, the grind yeah. on the bench has got to be going. Yeah, no doubt. It's a, yeah, definitely is not for everybody, and that's why I tell people like, look, you know, if you want a grinder, you know, you, if you can't build one, you know, get a reputable one like you did. Uh, you know, that's the thing. But yeah, I, my, it's a passion project for me at this point because every day I wake up and I think about it. I'm always thinking about ways of improving it and we're already on generation four so we're two years in and we're on gen four uh which i think we're getting damn near close to you know i say quote unquote perfection but it's not you know there's still little things i would change but um you know we're making it easier for the builder to fabricate that was the big thing it was like how can i take this plate steel and cut it in such a way that it takes away some of the brain work for the builder you know, and we've done that and, and added tracking and added more platen space and, uh, you know, just, just things like that. Easier to fabricate work rest, you know, just little things, but they make a big difference when you're fabricating it. Yeah, I've got a buddy of mine who bought the plans for your grinder. I don't think he bought a, bought the kit. I think he just bought the plans, uh, but he built it for something to do. He had never made a sure. knife before and never wanted a knife, you know, to make a knife, but he built that grinder for something to do. And, uh, now he's making knives, 
with the revolution. No kidding. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, man. I'm, That's awesome. I think you know his name is Josh Perkins. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, Jack. yeah. Yeah. No, Josh. I know Josh really well. In fact, I was just messaging him with him right before I got on this podcast. I kid you not. I was just really? talking with him about the press project. Yeah, because he wants to build a hydraulic press, and I've done all the legwork. Uh, and Surplus Center has decided to sponsor the project, and they're giving me all the equipment. I just haven't had time. I've been working with their engineers on coming up with whenever you're dealing with that amount of pressure, like 3000 PSI, uh, safety is paramount. You know, we really want to make sure that all the fittings and everything are, are correct. So their, their engineering team at surplus center is assisting me in that process. So what'll happen is when this, if we're going to do it just like the revolution is going to be a PDF plan set that'll come out and it'll be a DIY hydraulic kit that you can buy from surplus center. So when you want to build your own press, Yes, you'll have to source your own steel because that you know we couldn't ship I beams and whatever. But right. uh, you go out buy your steel, you fabricate it, and then you get this kit from Surplus Center, and that gives you all your fittings, your motor, uh, your tank for your hydraulic fluid, and everything else. So, uh, but he was asking me about that, and I was sending him some details on that today. So, yeah, I just talked to him yesterday. He's been out in uh, California on some work and uh, hadn't had good service. And he talked. I talked to him yesterday. But I got, yeah, is he is? How do you know him? Are you? Uh, were you guys like? Do, I know he's military, so he. Uh, I don't know where he lives. He lives somewhere near you, I think, well, Virginia he, or something. He was living in Virginia, um, and he just got restationed to North Carolina. But he hasn't gotcha. actually. He got a house down there, but they sent him to California for training. Uh, so he hadn't even really had any time to be at his own new house. But, uh, right. Yeah, he, he's military, so he's working on making the move. But I actually met him through Instagram. Uh, I can't remember what it was, but he sent me a, a message about something. Uh, something oh, right on. Something knife-related, and we just got to talking back and forth. And um, within just a couple months, he was hanging out in my shop all day and then sitting in the kitchen eating dinner with me and my wife. I mean, <laughs> Gotta love that, man. Yeah. Gotta love I, that. He had to come to Atlanta, uh, you know, on some business for his job. And he said, well, shit, I'm in Atlanta, you know. At what's two or three hours two down the road? Yeah. yeah, so he had a day off up there, and uh, he shot down here, spent a day in the shop, you know, piddling around, not really building nothing, but, you know, messing around with some things. And we had dinner. He's a he's a cool guy, man. I like him. Nice guy. Bubba made oh, a he's, a, he's salt of the earth. Oh, yeah. Salt of the earth, dude, man, for sure. So speaking of Hotlanta, you guys are doing Blade Show, right? Oh, yes. I was going to ask you about that before we you going? got off of here. Yeah, I'm going to go and wander around. Okay. I'm going to fly up and uh, fly into Atlanta. and It's like a 40-minute flight from where I am, so it's not a big deal. And um, get up and get a flight? hotel. What part of Florida? I think it's 45, 40, 45 45-minute flight. Yeah, it's like you're up in the air and then you land. I mean, it's that quick. So drive up to our place and we'll ride together. It'll be a hell of an adventure. <laughs> yeah, well, I, where where are you guys in relationship to Atlanta? How yeah. far out are you? From the Waverly Renaissance Hotel, I think last year I got there and right at an hour 40. Yeah. Oh, that's not bad. No, it's not bad at all. No, we will be staying the night um, just because, I mean, we could drive back and forth if we had to, but. The pit. The pit. I mean, it's, yeah. it's because of the pit. <laughs> the pit made me do it. 
But yeah, man, we'll have to well, make sure to get yeah. together up there at some point. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, for sure. Are you getting a table or what are you doing? No, wandering aimlessly. Good. That's what I'm going to do too. Yeah. I figured, you know, I, I could put together a booth and have, you know, the whole deal, but Honestly, I just want to talk to these people. I want to talk to everybody that I've been meeting online. I want to see everybody. So if that I get a booth, I'll be doing sales stuff the entire time. That's my goal. And too, I won't be able to. Chat. Yeah, that's I just want to BS man. and have a have a yeah and have a drink with everybody and just like chill out, man. It'll from, be good. From what I've heard, and it's probably changed since the, all this uh, coronavirus stuff. But last year that Blade was scheduled before they canceled it. Uh, I've got two buddies of mine down in Florida that were trying to get tables and there was like a, a waiting list, you know, cause they didn't have any more room, but there was like 60 something people ahead of them in line to get a table. No kidding. Yeah. So, I mean, it's extremely tough to, you know, just walk in and get a table at blade show. But like I said, since all this Corona stuff, I'm sure people have backed out and changed plans and it could be easier now. Yeah. I, I did get a message from them and, uh, you can get tables. They still have tables available. And I think it's related to the pandemic. I mean, it, I mean, it has to be, uh, I'll be fully vaccinated by then. So it won't matter, but I don't know if I'd want a table. I have so much fun walking around talking to people. Me too. Right. Right. You know? And that right. weekend's my wife's birthday. So we're going for like a day or two and then we're shooting up to Nashville afterwards for her birthday party. But I, oh, I man, know. that sounds like a blast. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're going to have a whole weekend full of, you know, fun. I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> but uh <laughs> so don't incriminate yourself yeah we will not do that so uh since all this and the podcast and our business and me and him joining up together and the knife and the sheath and by the way i gotta talk to you about a new business i just got an offer for my leather business i want to go meet all these people yeah i want to walk in sure. circles and run my mouth for hours you know what i mean yep. and if i'm stuck behind a booth I'm not going to be doing that. Maybe somebody will come say, hey, how you doing? And then somebody wants to buy something. Or they want 37 questions about something. Yeah. I'm yeah. getting to the point where I've got a list of people that I'm already kind of ske- not scheduled, like meet me at booth A, you know, at 2 o'clock. But, you know, like, hey, yeah, let's meet up. Yeah, I got this I group of people I feel like I need I to meet. start putting it on paper. I mean, I, I'm seriously so many people. And a lot of them, I mean, are through Instagram, you know, people yeah. that have bought knives from me or people that listen to this podcast. Or this guy. I want to go meet him. Yeah, we're going to definitely have to meet Brian. Um, we're going to Eastland's booth because, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're, we're going to hit them all. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be yeah. a good time for sure. Man. I can't wait. And it's, God, yeah, it's coming like on quick, too. Like, it is getting close. Yeah. Creeping up on us, for sure. All right, well, we've been going at this, I think, right at about an hour now. That's about our average. Um, Was there anything else you wanted to bring up or mention or ask? No, man, I just not really. I mean, I, I feel like this has been a good show. Learned a lot about some wood stabilization, <laughs> a little bit about some grinders. and. Was there anything he wants to ask? Should we ask him? Yeah. What about you, Brian? Anything <laughs> there, else you want to bring up? There's one thing I want to bring up, and I, this is something I try to tell every single person that I come into contact with. I want the I want the world to know that we live in the best country that the planet has ever seen. That the the foundation of what the United States stands for has we have built a fertile ground for commerce, and uh, we have brought through capitalism we have brought up more people out of poverty than any other system in the world. 
if you want. And I would challenge anybody to tell me that, in fact, there's another system besides capitalism and besides hard work that could get us to where we are today. It just isn't possible. And I just want the world to know that. And I know it looks like we've got our flaws. The United States has our flaws. We, we don't do everything perfectly. But I got to tell you, I love living here, and God bless America. Hell yeah. God, God bless, bless America. America. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's about time I landed on one of those buttons at the right time, huh? Yeah. I, about, I bet The last episode I had asked three times, like, bro, where's the button? Bro? Yeah. I, I felt that speech coming. I said, okay, here's the applause button. Here we go, America. Because it's legit, man. Like, yeah. if you work and you put forth the effort, you can be whoever, whatever you want to be. Absolutely. Yep. And, and no, no excuses. Nobody's stopping beauty. you but you. That's it. That's it. That's it. I, you, if, if I can rise up, I am of mediocre intelligence, right? I am, like, just average. And and I tell, I tell everybody this. I said, look, it's a mixture of caffeine, crazy, and average intelligence and the ability to work harder than anyone else that yeah. would project you into uh, getting somewhere with your life. And there's so many people out there, and I've talked to a bunch of them, and it is, they'll say, well, I work really hard, and I do this, this, and this, but I don't achieve. I don't, I don't get anywhere. And I'll look at their system, and I'll say, well, you've got a couple of things you need to tweak, but when you say you work hard, that's your perspective. That's what you see. You're not, you got to work hard. You got to work smart and you got to take risks. And if you can do all that, you've got a foundation in the U S to create whatever you want for yourself. You can paint the picture. And I'm a classic, classic example of that. Uh, I came from nothing. I had nothing. I came, I, I was risen up from a spot in the world. Number one, most dangerous city on the FBI's, uh, most dangerous city list for 10 years. Uh, I've been mugged. I've been stabbed. I've had, I've had uh, nasty, terrible things happen to me. And never once will I ever claim that I'm a victim. I'm not a victim. We rise up every day and we go to work. We work hard. And then we, you know, we make ourselves a success yep, because of fruits. it. That's right. Yeah. Before I went full time, yeah. I was working, uh, a contract job, an easy peasy gravy contract job. I would work from around eight in the morning till if I had a long day, maybe shit, a real long day might be one o'clock, two o'clock max making great money. And when I went full time, now I'm working from 7am till <laughs> most of the time, at least 9pm and sure. never happier, but it's not work. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I'm working, obviously. I'm getting things done, but it just feels so good because I'm doing it for myself. For yourself. You're, you're peace, man. Yeah. And, I mean, I could say I don't have a boss, but I do. You know, my own brain is my boss because if I don't work, I can't pay bills. But Everything becomes work. I, I tell yeah. this to people, like, look, you, you, whatever you decide you want to do with your time. It's fun. Though. You know, make sure you're passionate about it. But, yeah, you're gonna, it's, eventually there's going to be things that you're going to have to do that you hate doing. And, and I work for myself and have for 15 years. There's stuff I absolutely load that I can't hire out. I can't hire somebody to do these things for me. Yeah. So I have to do them myself and, and it sucks and whatever, but you know what? It's part of life. You just get over it. You move on, you know, and then you just keep working. So absolutely, man. Yeah. I appreciate you guys, man. I'll tell you what, this is great. I had a great time on here. 
Right, well, thanks for being on here with us, man. It has been great. This has probably been one of my favorite shows for sure. Oh, I've had a blast, man. Yeah. I mean, there's we learned a lot. and um, Like, I'm working on a headache. I learned so much. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> yeah. It's just been fun, man. And, Brian, I, I truly appreciate you even replying to my message, much less agreeing to come on here, man. That means a lot to me. Um, of course. We're still little guys. I think we've got under 200 followers on the podcast page i'm still under 600 on my personal page well he's going to share this and we're going to blow up like a rocket ship oh that'd be awesome ah! you're going to give us a shout out Brian? Ta- oh yeah no doubt about it i if um yeah the the way it works and here's what i'll tell you i, I i'm not by any means a big big uh fish at all but i'm somewhere in the middle i guess but all small things uh, all big things started off as small things and consistency and hard work is what brings them to the big thing. So if you're just starting out and you're, you're doing your thing right now, I can tell just by talking with you and, and you and I had uh, off the air conversation before we went on uh, and did this together. Right. You, you have a great um, personality and you can talk to people, you know, that's like nine out of 10 right there. You've got what it takes to do this. All you got to do is just continue you know, continue making and pushing harder every day. I tell this to people all the time, like, look, you you know, whatever you've got going on right now in a year, most likely it's not going to look this way. It's going to be different whether, and that's, and the only catalyst for change is action. I told my wife, you take action. I told my wife last night we were having a a conversation similar to this because it was, I don't know, nine 30, 10 o'clock. And, you know, I had just got done eating. I stopped long enough to chew on something. And I was like, baby, I got to go back down to the shop. You know, I got this and this to do. And I said, I told her, I said, it's not going to be like this forever. And my exact words to her was, I said, at one point in time, Bill Gates sold one computer. Mm-hmm. Steve Jobs okay. sold one iPhone. Right now, I'm doing it one knife at a time. But That's it. starting out, it's one at a time. You know, That's it. we'll get there. We're going to get there. No, we already 10 times. Like you said, last year. We weren't where we were last year. Oh, shit, you no. weren't where you were last year. No, not he wasn't close. where he was last year. Yeah, I mean, it, that's it. Because we don't it's, stop. It's important to look at that. It's important yeah. to look back. Yeah. You know, people say, "Oh, don't look back." You know, that's, no, of course. You got if to. you're climbing the ranks, if you're doing better, like you know, I look at my numbers from uh, even five years ago, and I and I I'll take those analytics and I'll boil them down and I'll go, okay, I I achieved in this way, uh, and that's important because it helps motivate me to kind of continue, you know, to keep pushing and making my stuff better. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's the matter? Uh, Never mind. I just, I freaked myself out for half a second there. He's over here looking at me funny like he's about to die. Oh, man. Okay, so (laughs) I've got this, this Roadcaster Pro board in front of me, right? And, you know, like everybody knows, did you not hit record? Oh, no. Record's going good. We're good. So everybody knows I'm not this uh, tech-savvy guy. Most of the time, we've got a guy that, that comes in here with us before the show and makes sure all the buttons are clicked and everything's right. So, Brian, we're talking to you on my cell phone. I called you on your cell phone to do this, right? So there's a picture of a cell phone here on this board, and the volume is all the way down in the red mute light. Mute light. Is on under it. The mute is on? Yeah. So it just clicked in my head. Oh, my God. We don't have anything from Brian. And that's that would have been oh, man. the weirdest sounding show. But the Bluetooth light is on. And that's the one that I needed to be looking at. 
So we're gotcha. good. That was just a little self panic attack right there. <laughs> I, I I didn't mean. I was going to try to keep going on with the talking, but he looked dead. Oh, dude! Like, like you ever seen a grown all man's the, face turn white? Left. Yeah, bright yeah, white. Yeah, I'm I was like, going to say all the all the color left his body right yeah, there. I, I was yeah. going to try to pretend Fernando like we goat. were going with the show, but he looked dead. I was like, uh oh, dude! My balls <laughs> went to my boots. <laughs> that there wouldn't be no redo. You know what I yeah. mean? Unedited, folks. Yeah. Unedited. Well, there you have it. I think you. I think you have your title for the podcast. What's that? Right there. My my balls went into my boots. You got it. That is it. I like it. That's it. When the balls meet the boots. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Brian. Well, we're gonna go ahead and wrap this thing up, man. Again, I appreciate you being on here with us. Anybody out there in the world that needs a grinder and has time and the skills to set one up yourself, um, Brian, I'm gonna let you handle this part. I know it's housemade.us, but give the people the details on exactly where they can find you and your stuff. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, house underscore underscore work, or you can look up housemade us on instagram or you can go to my website housemade.us you can find me on facebook uh, there's a diy belt grinders and machines group there um uh, my uh pretty much anywhere you message me through all those platforms i get them they come to my phone so you can do whatever you need to do but yeah housemade.us is where you would go to buy the grinder kit and uh you know it supports my work and it will support your work too once you get ready to build it Go for housemade.us and build the revolution. If you want the good one, that's where to go. <laughs> All right, guys, make sure you check out Bubba at Save It Outdoor Survival on the Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all that kind of stuff. And me, JK Blaze, on Instagram. Thanks, everybody, for being in here with us. We're going to wrap it up. Thank you, especially, Brian. Thanks, man. We'll talk to everybody again next week. And until then, keep on hustling and keep on grinding. All right, y'all. Cheers, guys. Thank you. See ya.